Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. Father, we thank you for today. Uh, We thank you, we thank you that we can see reality, that we can take a look at where we're at financially, and we don't have to guess, we don't have to um, wonder or or feel good falsely or freak out uh, unnecessarily but that we can get a a clear picture, that we can deal in reality and not in fantasy. And I pray, I pray as you give us glimpses of what is to come, that you would spur us on to greater generosity and greater faithfulness, that you would allow us to come with you in what you have planned for this year. We thank you for the gift of community, and we thank you for the gift of mission, and we thank you over everything for who you are, Jesus, for what you did and what you're doing. We find our life in you. As we turn the corner now and open up your word, I pray that you would give us uh, an eagerness to hear from you, a humility to recognize that we are not you, but a responsiveness to want to live the life that you're calling us into. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to start with a quick story this conversation between two people that I respect dearly, and one of them asks the other, can you make it stop? The other guy had been talking about ways that he had been walking in the Spirit and how God had been impressing upon him and how he was experiencing the gift of tongues, speaking in tongues. And the other guy said, "Uh, that stuff's from the devil. Can you make it stop and, like, go away? And the conversation's kind of awkward from that point on. Right? This same guy had another conversation with uh, another dude, again, both of whom I respect. This guy was actually on staff in a church in a pastoral position. And he's saying, Really, don't you think that this is so awkward that if I started speaking in tongues over you right now, that everybody else in this restaurant would be so offended that they would, they, they might get up and walk out? And my friend's response was, I'm not sure that's the approach we should be taking here. Like, if this is from God, then we can deal with the offense people feel, right? If this is from God, I want to embrace it. I want to walk into it, and I I don't want to tell it to go away. This conversation that we're jumping into this morning has the potential to make people feel all kinds of uncomfortable. And I don't know where you're coming at individually into this conversation. Some of you are like, bring it on, and maybe you need to cool off a little bit. (laughs) Some of you, some of you are so skeptical when it comes to this conversation, and so wary, and so like, I don't know, I don't know, that just makes me uncomfortable. And I want to have a conversation today about about who we are and the gifts that God gives us. So we recognize this is is not a natural conversation we're about to jump into, and that's okay. Let's start, so let's start back in Genesis 1. The first four verses of the Bible are what? First four, sorry, verses. You're impressive if you do that. The first four words of the Bible are what? In the beginning, beginning, God. 
we are already not having a natural conversation. We are already delving into the supernatural, right? In the beginning, God, that says there was a beginning. What happened before the beginning? I don't know, but there was a beginning. And there is God. God is not natural. God is supernatural. God exists beyond nature. He's transcendent to us. And yet, and yet, he builds this beautiful world. That says he commanded and the world became. God, creation, and it, the supernatural story continues on through the pages of the Bible of him introducing himself to people. God actually coming and showing himself, revealing himself to us. And then, and then we get to the incarnation. Like what? God becomes a man. God becomes a baby. He becomes one of us. This is not a natural conversation. This is a supernatural conversation, right? And the incarnation happens and we celebrate Christmas. Christmas. And then Jesus dies and he rises again. And the resurrection is not natural. People don't get up after dying. This is a supernatural deal. And then Jesus says, I'm going to leave and I'm going to send my spirit to indwell you, to come and live inside. Are we having a natural conversation? No. Core to who we are as Christians is that we believe in the supernatural. The scientific community, the atheistic science, uh, scientific community, um, is very comfortable living in a natural world and confining us to a natural world. And we recognize we love the natural world and we love science and we love the way that God has so intricately put things together. And yet, we believe in more than the natural world. Science does not have the capacity to study the supernatural. All science has the scope to be able to do is look at the natural. And they, they can do a very good job at that. But when they try to move beyond the natural, they say, it, it surely doesn't exist. Because all we can talk about is the natural. Christians believe in more. We believe in more. We believe in the supernatural. And I say that to say, so when we see the supernatural show up, when we see stuff in our midst that doesn't look natural, our first response as Christians shouldn't always be, ah, make it go away. Maybe, maybe it would be, could our supernatural God be manifesting, be showing himself in some supernatural ways that might make me feel uncomfortable. And that's okay, because my comfort isn't the litmus test, right? But maybe God is doing something. And maybe we need to take a, a deeper look at what he's doing. So last week, last week, Justin focused on spiritual gifts that I think seem more natural. You see, you see natural-born leaders, right? And you see people who have, who have the gift of encouragement. They can breathe life into people and challenge them and encourage them on. You see people that have the gift of service. And though supernatural stuff is going on and God is 
God is breathing that into their life so they can bless others. We don't, I'm not sure that it gets uncomfortable a lot when people use their God-given gift of leadership or generosity. But when you start talking about people speaking in tongues or having words of knowledge or wisdom or healing or miracles, all of a sudden we have this tendency to say, whoa, whoa, now I might actually get embarrassed if I have some friends who don't believe or I'm not even sure what I believe or like, I don't know. Now we're just going to have a disarming talk this morning. Because I think God is doing more than our minds sometimes can process. I am with you if you're skeptical. I grew up real skeptical. I grew up never experiencing these extra supernatural gifts. I didn't see them. I didn't partake in them. I went to a friend's church one time where people started muttering around me and I started laughing. Because I, I, it was so foreign to me that I didn't know what to do and I went with a friend and we were both like, if we dare look at each other right now, we're going to explode. So you just keep your head down. I don't know what's going on around me. So it, it's still something. I have never spoken in tongues. I have never experienced a lot of what we're going to talk about this morning personally. And yet... That's not the litmus test, right? Because we're going to talk. I don't have all the gifts. And that's not the way they're designed either. So if you have a Bible, you can open up to 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to camp out in 1 Corinthians 12 as Paul talks about spiritual gifts and he dives headfirst into the uh, supernatural. Paul says... Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between the Spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. Is this a natural conversation? No. 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 We are fully in the realm of the supernatural. couple quick observations in these verses. Verses 4 through 6 say there is a variety of gifts, right? But one spirit. That means there is great unity and diversity in what God is doing. God gives a variety of gifts, and yet they all point back to him for his glory, for his purposes, for the benefit of others. And verse 7 says, every Christian, every believer, every person who follows Jesus, who has the Spirit living in them, has spiritual gifts. 
that God doesn't just say, oops, missed you, okay? Every person has spiritual gifts, but not all the same. Not all the same. We serve one God who expresses himself and gives gifts differently to us. So as, as we talk this morning, I want to talk about uh, three Ds, okay? I want to talk about a distinction between fruit and gifts. I want to talk about uh, some descriptions. What are these gifts? What are we even talking about here? And then I want to look at uh, some directions. How are we to use these? What, what does this look like if we embrace it and if we're, if we're careful about it, but if we follow the Spirit into these? Distinction, descriptions, and directions. Okay? So the Bible talks about fruit of the Spirit and gifts of the Spirit. Are they the same thing? No. Okay? They're, they're very different. So Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says, when we're living in the Spirit, this stuff grows in our lives. It says love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. As we follow Jesus, these grow in us. All of them. That as you follow Jesus, all of these different glances of the fruit of the Spirit should be growing up in you. The fruit of the Spirit is about character. The fruit of the Spirit is about who you are and how you're living. And if you're following Jesus, if I'm following Jesus, this stuff is growing in me. So we are all called to love, and we're all called to patience, and we're all called to joy, and we're all called to self-control. We're all called to submit to the Holy Spirit and follow him, and as we do, he grows these things up, right? That's fruit. Gifts are different. You ever open up gifts on Christmas morning and see somebody who has a little bit something different than you do? And sometimes you look at them and you're like, I wanted that. You ever have kids where you're like, we better give just the right amount, and maybe, some, we, maybe we give a blue ball to each of them so that, so that they don't freak out. Like, I wanted the purple one. Okay, well, not yesterday. Okay. Sometimes we look at gifts, and when people get different gifts than us, we envy them or we're jealous of them. But people get different gifts. And this is what, this is what God does. He says, I, I want you to need each other. I want, you to, I want you to recognize that you're not full by yourself. So I'm going to give different gifts among the members of the body. And if you don't have certain gifts, this is not a character issue. This is not a lacking issue, necessarily. This is a, what has God given me to use? And I want to use that. No one has all the gifts. Nobody does. God, God gives us stuff to use, and he also, he also holds back so that we're not complete, alone. This is about service. The fruit is about character, and the gifts are about service. Okay? That's a quick distinction between the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, and it's important. It's important. Now, uh, let's dive into some descriptions. And I'm just going to rifle through them. This won't be super creative. Um, we're just going to kind of tick away at what Paul identifies here. Prophecy. Paul identifies prophecy. Justin hit on prophecy last week. People, um, 
People often expect prophecy to be about the future. People often expect prophecy to be about foretelling. And usually, usually, prophecy is more about foretelling. That is to say, if things continue in this direction, this is what you're looking at. Not on May 22nd of this year, apples are going to grow sooner than we thought. Okay? That's, that's, that would be foretelling. Foretelling all through the pages of the, the Old Testament prophets. You see, uh, you see Isaiah foretelling to say, if you keep turning away from the Lord, destruction is coming. I'm warning you, turn around because if you don't turn around, bad stuff. And you see Jeremiah, who's called the weeping prophet, because they hadn't turned around. And his message from God is, you didn't turn around, you know what's coming. You know what's coming because you didn't. Destruction is coming. And he's describing a future that isn't, isn't precise like future telling, but forth telling. Prophecy is the ability to hear a word from God and deliver it to the church, deliver it to God's people. So that may be in very piercing teaching. So a, a teacher who can get up and they just have the ability to pierce your soul with words from God. Okay? They just have that, that kind of ability that would just drive a stake in, in a good way, not in a destructive, beat you up kind of way, but in a serious, to the point, man, you nailed it kind of way. This word from God that they are, that they hear and they can deliver. It's a little bit different than teaching. Teaching is the ability to open up the, the word of God and to be able to unpack it so that people can understand it. To be able to uh, talk about it in a way that says, oh, the lights just got turned on and I can apply this. I can do something with it. Prophecy and teaching are, are kind of related. I will say there is, there is a window in prophecy for future telling. Like you see some prophets, Daniel dips into it. He says he, he does some future telling. That is present. I do think that people can get so focused on the foretelling, the future telling, that they... They expect more out of prophecy than God intends to give. Okay? That's prophecy. Paul talks about um, utterances of knowledge and utterances of wisdom. Words of knowledge, words of wisdom. This is, this is you know something that you couldn't possibly know if not for God supernaturally telling you. So this one... This one can seem like, where did that come from? Uh, people who get words of knowledge may at times walk down the street and God hits them with something and says, you need to go talk to this guy whom you don't even know and give them this message. And you tell it to them and they're like, whoa, I'm freaked out right now. Okay, Because something supernatural just happened. God, God who owns all knowledge and wisdom, sometimes gives it to us in an unnatural way, in a supernatural way. Now, it doesn't always happen bigly, okay? It, <laughs> it doesn't always happen in huge, mysterious, miraculous ways. Sometimes words of knowledge can just come in seemingly 
normal circumstances. So I'll give you an example of this in my life. I was having a conversation with somebody recently, and they're struggling with some stuff. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was just impressing on me a word. And I was like, oh, I'll just share that. So I really think the word that you need to hear from God and the word that you need to live in from God and you need to walk out with God is courage. And this person got choked up, like immediately, and said, I had that word tattooed on me years and years ago. And I needed that reminder right now. Now that's, that's kind of in that gray, like, you're not totally freaking me out, but you said something that was direct and to the point, and you could call it a coincidence, except we don't believe in coincidences. We believe in the supernatural. And I think God was descending on that conversation in a way that says, here you go, let me help you further this along. The words, and, words of knowledge are not things to be scared of. These gifts aren't to be scared of. But it's just for us to meet God and bless each other with them. Faith is having a vision of what God wants and then confidently believing that it's going to come to fruition in spite of circumstances. So God says, here's a picture of what's going to happen. No matter what it looks like, no matter if common sense would say, never in a million years could that happen. If God has given you this picture, you walk forward confidently saying, I believe God is going to make this happen. I don't know how he's going to make this happen. That doesn't matter. God is bigger than our circumstances. And I can hold, hold confidently to faith as I trust and walk this out, even in the unknown. Now, that's not to say we can go and cook up all of our own dreams and then slap God's name on it. Okay? I dream this up, and I think God could do this. He could do anything he wants. And so, thus saith the Lord. Be real careful about that. Be real careful about that. Because our trust is in God. Our trust is not in our faith. Right? Our trust is in God. Our trust isn't even in our gifts that he gives us. When our gifts fail, seemingly, that doesn't make less of God. That should call us to greater attention to God. Say, oh, maybe I was missing something. God, how, how can I focus more on you? Paul talks about healing. And we look at the person and the life and the ministry of Jesus, that Jesus, we can confidently say, came to heal. He came to heal our brokenness. And when you look at his ministry, clearly he came to heal spiritually. But Jesus over and over and over and over healed people physically. That his healing isn't merely spiritual. We can say that, right? That we look confidently toward a day when one day everything is restored. Everything is restored. And we walk in complete joy and complete healing uh, spiritually and physically that those are married together in heaven. And healing, I think, is glimpses of heaven breaking through right now. So there are times when physical illness takes over and the medical community does not have an answer. 
and then people are well, and the medical community doesn't know how to respond. So as an example, Leslie's dad, when he was diagnosed with cancer, they found it because his kidneys had failed, and they went down to all the way down to 1% function. And he's on dialysis, and people were praying crazy over him. And it came to a point where the doctor said, your kidneys are healthy again. You don't need dialysis, and this doesn't happen. This, nobody goes from 1% to, good to go. We don't know what happened. We know what happened. Like God touched him. And it wasn't an up on stage, kind of fall over, freak out, shake around. Though some of that may be real, this was God. This was God just quietly touching him, healing his body. And I think it's, I think it's a glimpse of heaven breaking through. Now, I will, I'll humbly say to you, I don't think, I, don't, I know it doesn't happen all the time. It doesn't happen all the time. I'm not even convinced that it should happen all the time in this world, in this lifetime, because we're in this already not yet kind of, the kingdom is already here and yet it's not fully here and we're looking toward a future when that is the reality. And until then, until we know, we know God can and we know God does sometimes. And when he doesn't, when he doesn't, we don't waste our sufferings. We don't feel like we're being punished by God. We don't turn on him. We know that God can use it. God can use any kind of illness, any kind of suffering, to grow us up closer to him, to be a blessing to others, to, to show each other the faith that we have that is unshakable. So another example in, um, in Leslie's family's life is her, she had beautiful uncle and aunt who were missionaries, and he had heart problems. Tony had heart problems, and it got so bad at one point that he had to go to Mayo Clinic, and, uh, and he was not healed. Now, he's, he's received the ultimate healing right now in God's presence, but in, in this life, he left two boys behind, and he left a wife behind. And at, at his funeral, his wife got up and said, like, Tony, Tony had an opportunity to witness, to witness to the best doctors in the world. But he had to do it as a patient. And through his suffering, God was able to use his voice to reveal himself more to the medical community. God doesn't always heal in the here and now. And that doesn't mean that my faith is small. That doesn't mean that someone screwed up or didn't pray hard enough or didn't use the right words. That just means we are still living in the brokenness. And we know a God who does heal and who someday will heal fully. Some people have a gift of being able to pray and people receive healing through it. I don't know how it happens.
and I am not comfortable with it. But I'm glad that God does it. Paul talks about miracles. These are supernatural events that display God's power. Deliverance from danger or meeting special needs, defeating demonic forces. What happens in miracles is miracles are a display of power and glory. Where like the heavens open and it's, oh, okay? This is a miracle in your midst. Like this is, this could not happen. This could not happen if all we had was the natural. The supernatural just broke through and God's power and glory are on display. Paul talks about discernment or distinguishing spirits. People with the gift of discernment have this ability to look and say, I think God is all over this. The Holy Spirit is swimming in this. Or you better run because God is nowhere near this. And there is a spirit definitely in this, but there are so many spirits circling around in our presence on a day-to-day basis that we are not aware of, and somebody with discernment is able to say, yes, run after this, or no, run away. And they can sense God's presence or not. Paul talks about the gift of tongues. This is a prayer or praise spoken in syllables not understood by the speaker. They don't know what they're saying. So it shows up in Acts 2 where uh, the day of Pentecost comes, fully comes, and the Spirit descends and everybody starts standing up and they're speaking. They were speaking actually um, understandable languages at that time. They just didn't know what they were saying. It's like if I just switched into Spanish right now, don't know what I'm saying, but if you're fluent in Spanish and you can understand exactly what I'm saying, and I'm like, wow, that was cool. Don't know what happened there. Okay? Sometimes God uses human languages to do it. Sometimes there's no discernible language present. There is a spiritual language that is happening. Tongues is directed to God. Sometimes people think of it, um, right? We could think of it kind of like, Praying in the spirit, not in the mind. Okay, so the scientific community has actually done studies on speaking in tongues. And they can recognize that part of your brain shuts down speaking in tongues. Now, some might read that and go, yeah, okay. (laughs) But what's happening when we stop speaking in our mind, like my frontal lobe right now is going crazy as I'm talking with you and we're interacting and you're thinking and we're... We're using language. When people are speaking in tongues for real, their frontal lobe kind of takes a nap, which is incredible to me, which is the supernatural breaking into the natural and affecting it and taking control. Hey, you just rest right now. You're going to pray, but but you're not really going to know what's going on, which is why then Paul says, Interpretation is also important. So he'll, he'll give people the gift of being able to interpret what sounds like nonsense. It does. It sounds like nonsense, but there's more going on than the natural. The one thing I will say to it is, the gift of tongues is not meant to be a disorderly gift. The, the gift of tongues is not meant to be something that we're, we are unable to control. I, it just took me. We don't do that with any other spiritual gifts. Like you don't, 
When, when the giving plate comes by, you're not like, whoa, whoa, and a $100 bill flies out of your wallet into the giving plate, and you're like, I guess I have the gift of generosity. I can't help it. Okay? We should think about tongues in a similar light. Like, it's not something that just flies out of you uncontrollably. Paul says, we have self-control. When God is doing something, we can say, this is appropriate. And I can, I can enter into it. Even if I don't know exactly what's going on, there are times when it is inappropriate. Can, can the gift of tongues be abused? Yep. Can it get faked? Yeah, probably pretty easily. I could, I could probably start mumbling up here, and you guys wouldn't know unless somebody with the gift of discernment is here or somebody with the gift of interpretation, like, I got nothing. Okay? It can be faked, and I think it does get faked. And I think sometimes people, people have been told that you should, if you follow Jesus, absolutely speak in tongues. And I think fruit gifts, okay? Not everybody gets this, and that does not mean you're deficient. But some people have heard that message, and so they do whatever they can to cook it up. And maybe God plants that seed in them. Truly and legitly. But maybe emotions take over and they produce a counterfeit. Some people talk about a, a private prayer language. That when they are having an intense, an intense time with God, they, they jump out of English. They jump out of the language that they would use. And they have a, a connection with God that is supernatural I've seen it I've seen it and when you start to embrace that God is supernatural and does supernatural things and shows up supernaturally you can look at somebody and say don't freak out I hope I hope they get to swim in the deep pools of God right now I hope that what God is doing in their life is full of helping them see their brokenness and helping them see healing and helping him connect, helping them connect in intimate ways and in more intimately with God. I hope that's what's going on and I'm going to trust that that's what's going on with them. So, distinction, description, and directions. Let's move on to directions, okay? Paul takes this conversation and he continues it in 1 Corinthians 12. And he says, starting in verse 11, All of these gifts, all of these gifts are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Okay, we got all parts, but they, they form one body going on. Verse 13, for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and all were made to drink of the one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it, in, in, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, 
where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that all members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. For if one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles and gifts of healing, helping and administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? No. But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. And 1 Corinthians 12 turns into 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. And he said, all of this, all of this leads us to loving better. All of this is to be used to love. We love God and we love others. And we use the gifts that he's given us to serve and to love. This means we embrace unity and diversity. We all swim in the same God. We all follow Jesus, the one and only true God. And yet he gives us different gifts to serve differently. So you are not the same as me and I'm not the same as you and we're not all the same. But you are responsible to use what God has given you. You are are responsible to use what God has given you. If you know which gifts God has given you, you may not even like them. Does not matter. God may put you in positions that he says, you know I've given you this and I want you to use it and I want you to serve. And I've seen people who didn't want to get up and lead do it faithfully. Sometimes those are the best leaders the people who don't want to reach for the mic, but say, man, if God is calling this out of me and if, if the church needs it, then I will. Those are the people that I want in leadership. Because then it's not spotlight, right? It's not about showtime. It's about service. And I will humbly give what I have for the, for the benefit of others. This is not primarily about you. God gives you gifts so that you can use your gifts for others. So that other people get blessed. So that other people feel God's presence in the here and now and are blessed by it. Do you get blessed in the process? Absolutely. 
But it doesn't end with you. It doesn't end with you. We need each other. We need each other as one body to be functioning fully and responsibly and passionately, embracing what God has given us so that we can use it for the benefit of others. And I I would add this. Grow your gifts. Grow your gifts. If you feel like God has planted a gift in you, has given you a gift, grow it. And you might say, well, that's taking human control. Nobody jumps into Spanish 101 speaking fluent Spanish. Right? They're in class. They're studying this. They're looking more into it. And someday they'll be able to speak it fluently if they keep going with it. The spiritual gifts can be like that. Is it from God? Yes. Do I have to cooperate with it? Yes. Do I seek it out? Absolutely. We ask God, give me more gifts. Again, not just for me, so that I can bless. Or the gifts that you've given me, grow them. Grow them. I want more muscle. I, I want to be able to, well, that's a personal statement, but <laughs> I want to be able to do what God has called me to do. And the only way I do that is if I work it out, if I grow it, if I give it my best. So start, start. You will be better in years to come. You may not nail it at first, and you may fall on your face you may actually feel like you get a word from God for somebody and you say and you're like, that was nice, but maybe it was for somebody else. And that's okay. That's really okay. If you sense God leading you, don't run away from that. Be with it in community. Em- embrace God, chase after him, and thank him for what he's doing in your life. 1 Peter 4, and we'll finish here. 1 Peter 4 says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. I love that. God's varied grace. That says God shows up and he gives grace to everybody, but it looks differently in everybody's life. So Jesus is for everybody. The the crucifixion and the resurrection and him indwelling, that's for everybody. But in in these ways of the gifts, God has varied grace. I love that. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that everything... In everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Let me read that last sentence because I love what, what Peter is declaring here. He says, in order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The Holy Spirit is alive. The Holy Spirit is active. And I want us to lean in. Use what you have been given 
for God's glory, for your joy, and for others' benefit. Let's be people who walk in the Spirit. Yeah? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you give good gifts. We thank you that you don't just save us, but you use us. That you call us to you, that you form a you call us into relationship and into family, and then you give us responsibility. That we get to be co-workers with you. Father, thank you for the way that you made us uh, unified and diverse at the same time. Thank you for not giving us